Are you looking to take your team to the next level and lead to your full potential? Then Leading with Purpose is the show for you. It's an hour of empowerment with your host, Nathan R. Mitchell. Nathan is a business and leadership development coach, public speaker, and author. He's also the founder of Clutch Consulting and a member of the John Maxwell team. Nathan's purpose in life is to empower others, and that's how he helps businesses and leaders grow. He specializes in leadership training, improving communication in the workplace, and creating high-performance teams. So join Nathan and this week's guest as they provide you with the information and tools you need to effectively lead yourself and others. It's time for Leading with Purpose, Empowering Talk Radio. Here is your host, Nathan R. Mitchell. Welcome to episode number 32 of Leading with Purpose, Empowering Talk Radio. I am your host, Nathan Mitchell. If you're just now joining us or you've been with us for a while, but for one reason or another, you aren't yet a subscriber, I want to encourage you to head on over to leadingwithpurposeradio.com. Click on the iTunes link and get subscribed now so you never, ever miss a single episode. Also, if you like what you hear on tonight's show and you want to find and you find that it ultimately delivers value uh, to you in some way, I would like to ask that you also leave us a positive rating and review on iTunes. At the end of the day, my commitment to you is to bring you the very best guests, the very best content. So when I have individuals like Andrea Waltz of Courage Crafters Incorporated and co-author of the book Go For No, Yes is the destination. No, want, no is how you get there. You're going to want to make sure that you have access to that information as soon as it is made available. And being a subscriber is the absolute best way that you can do that. But before we begin our conversation with Andrea about how you can overcome failure, rejection, and fear of the word no, I'd like to share something with you that's been on my mind these past couple of weeks since our last show, specifically about the importance of purpose in the workplace. You know, we hear a lot about organizational vision and mission statements in the business world, but not nearly as much about purpose. Even though it is growing uh, in popularity, we don't hear about it as much as we should. And one of the things that I've learned is that purpose really helps us plant seeds for future growth in our organizations. You know, an organization's purpose provides a vivid picture of our future and really serves as a guide for the decisions that we make in the day-to-day operations of our business. I've learned that there's three elements that I'd like to share uh, that help make up a purposeful organization. Number one is the purpose in and of itself. It really is uh, the reason why your company exists in the first place, and it really will help add value and clarity to your organization and what you are doing to serve uh, the local community. Number two, it offers a clear picture of the future. You know, as leaders, it's really easy to focus on the end result and really neglect the process or the journey of getting there. And purpose-driven organizations, they can stay focused despite adversity and hardships that come their way. And number three, it's clearly stated core values. Your company's core values have a significant impact on the perceived image of your organization, and they ultimately serve as guidelines on how your company should pursue its purpose. You know, in conclusion, purpose is really of vital importance to the long-term success of any organization. So with that in mind, I want to ask you, is purpose alive and well in your business? Do you talk about it? Do you live it out on a daily basis? Are you passionate about it? Do your employees know what the purpose of your organization is? It's just really 
something important for all of us in the world of business to consider. And with that, I would like to introduce tonight's guest, Ms. Andrea Waltz. Andrea is the co-author of Go For No, Yes is the Destination, No is How You Get There. She has made her mission to liberate people from fears of failure and rejection, sharing an entire new mindset about hearing the word no. The Go For No mindset has been embraced by people in a wide variety of industries and businesses to rave reviews and amazing results. Andrea's book hit number one on Amazon's selling list and has remained in the top 20 of sales books for over the last seven years. Andrea, welcome to, welcome to tonight's show. How are you doing? I am doing great, Nathan. It's so nice to be with you tonight. Well, thank you so much. It's 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 a blessing for us to have you on the show. I know we've been talking about this for, oh, geez, probably a month and a half or two months now. And here we are finally on episode yes. number 32, mm-hmm. and you are our guest. So let's start here. I ask this of every guest that appears on the show. Tell us something interesting about yourself that many people may not know about you. Many people do not know that at one time I had a Hollywood agent. Uh, My husband and I actually both together had um, tried to break into Hollywood as screenwriters, and we ended up getting an agent. It was the gentleman. He was actually, by the time we we, um, met him, um, he was in his 70s, and he was the producer of the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that is a fantastic fact. Thank you uh, for sharing that with us. I I was reviewing your website also uh, last night, and one of the things I came across, it seems like maybe you've had an affinity for Hollywood for a long time, because correct me if I'm wrong, I think you reached out to George Lucas when you were like eight years old about possibly working with him. Is that true? (laughs) <laughs> that is true. I yes, um, a family friend had his office number, and you're right. I really have, haven't I? Um, had his office number, and I called the office and was trying to convince. Uh, I wanted to work with George. I wanted to be a producer. I had all of these ideas, and unfortunately, his personal secretary answered and got me signed up for his fan club. So I right. didn't get through to that either. Yeah. So you were actually going for no at a very early age. I mean, I, I'm sure that you were wanting a yes, but you were you were bold. And- at a very young age and asking asking questions and reaching out to people. I was. That's fantastic. You know, before we get into the nuts and bolts of tonight's interview, tell me how you went from, you know, being a student of, of criminal justice to working as a general manager in retail like I did myself uh, with the Fortune 50 company uh, to ultimately consulting and training, you know, individuals and organizations all across the world. Yeah, well, like most people, I was working while in college and got my degree in criminal justice. At that time, it was kind of before being a CSI crime scene investigator was really popular, like, you know, with the TV shows and everything. Um, And the positions are very far and few between. Um, And so I graduated and it was kind of like, uh, I mean, I had no experience. And to get in those positions, they want someone with experience. So it's that right. catch 22. How do you, how do you get experience? Well, it was like, well, come, you know, join, um, the sheriff's department as an intern and, um, in the crime scene division and you'll be, you know, just unpaid and, you know, however many years it takes. And of course I was like, um, no, I'm ready to get into the business world and make some money. So in the meantime, I met Lens Crafters and I'm a sales associate and working part-time. And then I got promoted to manager right when I graduated and just kind of, it was just, it was a great company and I loved what I was doing and there was growth and that's really what I wanted. So 
So I worked my way up to GM at that young age and met um, my now husband at that company who was in the training department. And he uh, kind of opened my eyes to the world of entrepreneurship. I, I didn't really ever think about being a business owner or what being an entrepreneur or solopreneur was all about. And he was explaining to me that, um, that there were companies out there that hired professional speakers and outside trainers and consultants to come in and teach whatever philosophies or strategies that they had. And that usually when you did that, you got paid, you know, five, 10 times more than your salary was at the particular company because consultants get paid so much more. And he said, we should, you know, quit our jobs and launch our own company. And I trusted him and loved his concepts. Go for no was one of them. I know we're going to talk about that, but I, uh, so with no plan, Nathan, I don't, you know, think this is particularly wise, but with no right. plan, we, uh, I quit my job and we launched our company. Yeah. Sounds kind of like my story. <laughs> I, yeah. I also launched my company seven years ago, really with, uh, no plan, just a real heartfelt passion for, for entering, uh, that space and, and making a difference in people's lives. Let me ask you this real quickly. What, what do you like about, the world of being a consultant and an entrepreneur that really wasn't available to you, you know, in the corporate world, specifically in the world of retail. Yeah, well, I first of all loved the retail industry and um, was in it since I was 16 years old, and um, I love uh, obviously the freedom is one thing. But when you're in, you know, the corporate world, um, since you're not in charge, um, you have particular ideas and things that you want to share, and uh, you oftentimes you just can't. So when we launched our company, it was like we we set the agenda. We said these are the things, the skills that we want to train. This is what we're passionate about. So it was really great to be able to tap into our passion and then find the companies for who that resonated. Yeah, do, with, and now with regards to uh, go for no, do you are the majority of individuals that you work with are they entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, or are there also people that work inside of you know corporate organizations that are perhaps just trying to get better at sales or something like that? Yeah, so that is a great question. When we first launched the, our business, um, we focused on working with retail organizations, and it was large retail corporations. And right. as as we as we transitioned. Um, as we transitioned from that, we, uh, and, and really kind of made go for no, our focus, it really, the business became about solving that problem. And that became people who were entrepreneurs. It became people still in corporate, um, people in different companies, not just retail, insurance, financial, um, fundraising. And so we kind of went from this focused target market, which I highly recommend that people have, you know, to focus on, on a market and kind of move to this idea of problem solution, um, which is like you were saying in that question is almost everybody. Yeah. So how long have you been in the training and consulting space then now? And we've got just about one minute before the first commercial break. Yeah. So it is, we're coming up on about 20 years. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, that's great. I mean, especially in an industry where the success rate is, is not very high. I mean, as you know, there's uh, very relatively low barriers to entry in, in what you and I do. And it seems like, you know, um, you know, every minute there's another firm starting, another coach group that's starting. And so I definitely commend you for that. That's wonderful. Thank you. 
What do you like most about it? Oh, gosh. Um, I just love the, again, you know, the the freedom to do it. And I think I think the other thing is, um, you know, when you when you launch your company, uh, you have to be there for the ups and downs and the dips. And, I, you know, there was a period right after 9-11, I went back to work. So yeah. um, I got a got a job for a couple of years and then came, went back into the business. So you just have to be prepared for whatever comes your way. All right, everyone, you're listening to Leading with Purpose, Empowering Talk Radio. Tonight we have Andrea Waltz, co-author of the book Go for No. We will be right back after this short commercial break. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. We'll talk to you. We'll be right back. Leading with Purpose, Empowering Talk Radio, and your host, Nathan R. Mitchell, returns after this short break. Do you wish you had more focus? Do you wish you were more intentional about the things you need to get done to really start making progress in your business and leadership? If so, you need the Leadership Journal by Nathan R. Mitchell. The Leadership Journal is Nathan's empowerment project to help business owners entrepreneurs and leaders grow their business empower their teams and lead to their full potential in only 90 days to begin reaching your full potential today simply go to leadingwithpurposeradio.com and claim your copy of the leadership journal now are you wanting to get better business results better leadership skills faster then this is where you need to be Welcome back to Leading with Purpose with Empowerment Coach and Founder of Clutch Consulting, Nathan R. Mitchell. With more of today's insight for effective leadership, host Nathan R. Mitchell. Hey, welcome back. Before we get back to our interview with Andrea Waltz, co-author of the book, Go for No, I would like to let you know that Leading with Purpose Empowering Talk Radio is brought to you by Minert & Associates, a full-service accounting firm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, dedicated to its purpose of helping businesses relieve their financial stress. So if you're in need of tax preparation, bookkeeping, or payroll services, I encourage you to visit my friends over at Minert & Associates. You can learn more about them at Relieve financialstress.com. Andrea, welcome back to the show. Hey, Nathan. Thank you. All right, Andrea. You know, Darren Hardy of Success Magazine has really given a great testimonial of your book, Go For No. And essentially what he said was, if, if you're looking to achieve more success, you need to go for more no's and that ultimately your book will show us why and how to do that. You know, as you and I know, the problem is many people, you know, they don't like hearing the word no in the first place. I know I don't always like hearing it and we will go to great lengths to avoid hearing it. In your professional opinion, I mean, as an expert in the industry, to what lengths will business owners really go to avoid rejection in the first place? Yeah, well, business owners will go to great lengths, and a lot of times what happens is they put systems and processes and and almost personal um, production limits on themselves because uh, they don't want to hear the word no. And so they'll be comfortable at a certain income level and justify that or uh, the, the results that they get in their business, whereas if they were just willing to get out there and hear no more often, 
often uh, they would have more opportunities for the success, the yeses to happen. I do speak from personal experience in this. And um, when Richard and I launched our business, you know, we had um, kind of a, a goal to, to make a certain income. We, we wanted to do training and speak, and we kind of had this goal of four times a month. And so when we would set that goal and hit it, you know, we were happy. And, and we were, of course, our own bosses um, because we were really operating in a go-for-yes mindset. But this is so common. It's ubiquitous. It's natural um, for people to be taught and trained. I mean, we all have that we want success. We want yes. And so what we do is um, we'll have, uh, you know, people that we can call on. We might have leads. Uh, we, we meet somebody. And then we really pick and choose, Nathan, in terms of, like, who we think is going to say, say uh, yes to us, who we believe is going to say no. And if they're going to say no, we come up with the reasons why. So there's a lot of assumptions that are made, um, a lot of, you know, prejudging that goes on. And so really what you end up with is just a lot of work rather than just getting out there and being willing to hear no. Yeah. So what are some of the things that um, business owners or salespeople might do to convince themselves that, you know, this isn't really necessary? Do they, do they find themselves just getting involved in mundane tasks and make themselves feel like they're being productive? What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Yes. So, I mean, and and that's a classic thing, right? And, and oftentimes it just, it happens when, uh, you know, someone is uh, gets rejected. Maybe you you get a, a bad no. You get a call from somebody you thought was going to say yes, and then you you really at that point there's that that negative response, that internal negative response, both emotional and also just that intellectual. Your mind starts racing, and you think, "What does this mean?" Like that one no can sometimes be mean um, your interpretation of it. In other words, just becomes this is. It. This is it for my business. And so that that fear really sets you in motion in terms of not wanting to reach out to somebody else. You don't want to experience it emotionally. And intellectually, you think that uh, it, it, it means bad things are coming. And so the irony is you get involved in other things that don't put yourself, you know, you want to protect yourself. You don't want to put yourself in that spot of getting rejected again. And that's the irony is then the productivity, the opportunities grow even less. And so it really is a cycle that business owners and salespeople have to pull themselves out of. Yeah. So what's the difference um, in reaching out to somebody over the phone versus, you know, reaching out to them in person? Why, why can we go to networking events and start up a conversation with somebody about what we do across the table from us, but it becomes so much more difficult when we pick up our cell phone or, or pick up a receiver to actually dial somebody. What's, what's the major difference in our head? Yeah, that is a great question. I think, I think um, it's funny, I was just reading a interesting um, book that was talking about this and um, sales book, actually a new sales book that's coming out um, from a colleague of mine. And he uh, was talking about this idea, and um, I believe it to be true. It's, you know, it's much harder to reject someone face-to-face. It doesn't typically happen the same way. And so there's this, I think with the phone, there's a harder, it's harder to connect. You don't have the same 
physicality. You don't have the say. You can't have that body language and eye contact. So you're right. really you're you're really relying on um, the, the the person that you're talking to or trying to reach out to just has far more, I think, power. Um, you know it, they know it, and it's easier for them to reject you. It's easier for them to reject you in more. Um, you know, just uh, quick ways um, that people probably wouldn't do if they were in person. You know, we just don't behave that way in person. So the phone becomes um, a really scary thing. And of course, that, again, goes back to the reprogramming that we need to do when we are going to pick up the phone is this kind of um, perfection that we place on ourselves in terms of this call has to go perfectly. It's really detaching from that that helps make those calls possible. Yeah, one of the things that I find interesting, and I don't know if you can shed some light on this uh, for, for myself and for the listeners uh, on the call this evening and those who will download this episode at a later time, but you know, I call on a lot of times independent insurance agents that are in need of you know business coaching or they have a small team and they're looking to lead and develop their teams more effectively. And you know, these are insurance individuals that you know they're on the phone a lot you know they're dialing for dollars and they don't like it uh when prospects are treating them rude on the phone but i'm amazed at the number of times that when i reach out to individuals like this myself that i'm actually and, and it's not just specific to insurance i'm just using that as an example i mean it could be any specific industry but business owners that are used to calling and prospecting over the phone that expect individuals i guess to be nice to them but they're not returning the favor to those that call them looking for business. What are your thoughts on that? Have you experienced that yourself? I mean, I think yeah. it's very interesting. It is very interesting. Absolutely. And I think it's, um, it's interesting because I have called on corporations for years and yeah. the treatment sometimes that you get from some of the largest corporations is really rude. And right. I've been a customer of many of those corporations, a paying customer, you know, whether it's a monthly subscription or, um, shopping in their stores or you name it. And so it is interesting how that dynamic happens um, and how they, uh, you know, the, the business owners that you're calling on are also doing the same thing. I think yeah. really oftentimes it's, it's human nature. And some, sometimes um, salespeople are the worst because they're the most easily sold. <laughs> so right. they have to be, you know, they, they tend to be the most pr protective and um, they, ha they have to, you know, I think what it all comes down to, Nathan, also is people are afraid of change. And um, even the people that you're calling on, um, we're all afraid of change. So your right. clients are afraid of change. And of course, they're calling if they're insurance, for example, their customers are afraid of change, they're afraid of making a mistake, going with a, you know, bad provider, paying too much money, you know, all of these decisions that we're afraid of making. And so it really is just kind of understanding where people are coming from. I think that helps. You know, one of the things that you mentioned is that failure is really not to be uh, voided. Uh, why is failure really not something to be feared? And, and how can we move through that, you know, move through that failure ultimately to success? In our book, Go For No, we have what's called the um, kind of the, the old model of failure. And then we have the new model of failure. And the old model of failure, failure and success are seen as 
opposites. They're very much opposite sides from us. So for example, you might be in the middle and failure is on one side and success is on the other. And we're, we're all kind of taught and trained, as I was saying earlier in the show, to pursue success, to get the yes, and to avoid failure, avoid hearing the word no. And so as a result, we become almost paralyzed because it's very difficult to always win. It's very difficult to just be a success. And uh, what goes along with that, I think, are feelings of perfectionism and I have to prove myself and this has to go well. The, The new model, and it's the model that ultimately people who are successful in their endeavors operate with is where you're on the end of the spectrum. Failure, rejection, hearing no is in the middle, and the success and the yeses that we're seeking are on the other side of experiencing that. And it varies, of course, based on um, day by day, week by week. Sometimes we have weeks where it's just nothing but failure, 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 and you think there is no success, and then all of a sudden someone will call or something will happen and and you you get that yes. And then you have streaks where it seems that everything's just going your way, success, success. And you know, ultimately, that there's going to be a failure. There's going to be a no down the line. That's just how life is. It's how business is. Embracing the new failure model, just saying, I get it. I need to hear no. I need to fail in order to get to that yes, that success, if you can embrace that, then what happens is in those moments where you feel like, I'm not doing well, this is not working out, maybe I should give up, Um, I'm not on the right path, you have to embrace that and understand that that's just part of the process. Yeah, absolutely right. So and part of this process is probably, you know, setting goals for yourself as well. And we got just a couple of minutes before uh, the, the second commercial break. But before we break for commercial, you know, what are some recommendations that you have on how as business owners we can set goals that really help us tap into uh, the power of no and inspire us to not give up in order to just really increase our likelihood of success over the long term? Right, right. Well, I was talking about when um, we launched our business and we had a goal to get four yeses. So really what we encourage business owners to do, and anybody can do this for anything, is set a goal for the number of no's you're going to hear. We call it setting no goals. And so we all have our typical yes goals, right? Sure, goals, right. The goals to get a certain number of appointments, or maybe it's a dollar, you know, a dollar quota that you want to bring in. And so instead of worrying about the yes goals, just set a goal for the number of no's. Say I'm going to collect 10 no's in, in my field, whatever that is. It might be setting appointments. It might be sitting down with someone and showing them um, an opportunity and get that no and just focus on that. What tends to happen is the yeses come, but when the yeses come, you don't tend to stop because usually what happens is, for example, you might say, I, I'm going to set a goal for 10 no's and my goal is two yeses. And let's say on Tuesday morning, you get the two yeses that you wanted. Well, you still have Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to make something happen. So right. when you set no goals, right, you get you get out there, it really keeps you in action. It keeps your activity up, which is just an interesting phenomenon because sometimes setting goal, setting goal. I mean, we all know it's so important and I know business owners are typically really good at setting goals. You know, we, we all like to list our goals and everything, but sometimes some of those performance yes goals can limit us rather than really drive our performance upward. 
Well, those are great tips. And everyone, you're listening to Leading with Purpose on Powering Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nathan Mitchell. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short break with Andrea Waltz. Leading with Purpose, Empowering Talk Radio, and your host, Nathan R. Mitchell, returns after this short break. Nathan R. Mitchell, America's leading empowerment coach, founder of Clutch Consulting, and certified member of the John Maxwell team, is giving away his top-selling book, Leading with Purpose, for free, for a limited time. You can get Nathan's highly acclaimed book, which is full of 30 empowering tips, to help you transform your organization and your leadership. To claim your free ebook, simply go to leadingwithpurposeradio.com. Opt in to receive the Leading with Purpose Empowering Talk Radio newsletter, and you will also receive Nathan's book as a special bonus. This is a limited time offer, so secure your copy today. Are you wanting to get better business results, better leadership skills faster? Then this is where you need to be. Welcome back to Leading with Purpose with Empowerment Coach and Founder of Clutch Consulting, Nathan R. Mitchell. With more of today's insight for effective leadership, host Nathan R. Mitchell. Hey, welcome back to Leading with Purpose, Empowering Talk Radio. I am your host, Nathan Mitchell. Friends, one of the things that I've learned about great leaders is this. They are really lifelong learners. And one of the ways that I've been able to devote more time to my own personal and professional growth and development is by listening to audiobooks made available through audible.com. If you want to try out Audible to listen to some of the best books on business, leadership, marketing, or sales, visit us online at leadingwithpurposeradio.com. Simply click on the resources tab to learn more about a special limited time offer from audible.com. Andrea, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Nathan. Before uh, we conclude tonight's interview, I got a few more questions uh, for you. I definitely want to talk about this from a leadership perspective for a moment. Uh, How do leaders inside of organizations encourage their followers to, to see no in a positive light? You know, it takes a lot of work and patience, Nathan. It's not easy, right? Because so many of us have these um, programs built in. We talked about the failure success model and how we've all been taught and trained um, kind of to be go for yes people. And so um, working with people and kind of showing them, hey, there's this different way. You, You don't have to fear no. You can embrace no. And if you can learn to go for no more, often, um, then that is how you can reduce your fear, um, get better results, and the person almost sells themselves on it. But from a leadership standpoint, someone's got to be that catalyst. Somebody's got to be that, put that thought into their minds. And so we've been fortunate over the years that uh, at least for our our concept, and I think this goes for a lot of leadership concepts, um, people have embraced it and they have been willing to share it and been willing to you know, share the book and to share the message and to teach um, people to adopt this philosophy. Um, and then, of course, they need to really encourage people to continue to do it. And that's the key. And uh, it, it takes some time because... There's a natural uh, 
kind of hesitancy. Like, I don't want to hear no. <laughs> I, right. You know, I, I, I'm a salesperson. I want to hear yes. What are you talking about? You want me to go out and hear more no's? That sounds really horrible and unfun. And when people are kind of shown and, and just try it and set a no goal and, you know, go out and set set a goal to get 10 no's and just see what happens. Um, make it a game. Try to make it fun. And if they can start to embrace that, and then, again, like I was saying, they can see results, then they really kind of end up selling themselves on the back end. But it's it's important for them to just have that possibility because um, it seems like it seems so negative. I, I like to think of it like this, you know, hearing no, getting rejected is, I think the worst thing a leader could do is to just kind of brush it off. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. You'll survive. It happens to everybody. That is, those things are true, but it really invalidates all of the feelings. I think it's so much better to say, you know what, let's, it's a negative reality. Um, it's not in your head. You're not making it up. Yes, rejection hurts. And yes, sometimes we can take it pain, uh, personally. So how do we not take it personally? How do we reframe it, reprogram it, and really turn it into a positive? And that is kind of what the goal for Go For No does, is really takes this negative reality and makes it positive so that eventually you don't see no as negative. You see it as positive. You say, hey, I am on the path. I got 44 no's this week. I am doing amazing. I mean, I'm I'm producing more than I ever thought I would in hearing no and being okay with it. Um, and so it re really requires leaders to embrace that. Also, Nathan, another key, and I, I just want to cover this because it is so important, is celebrating those no's and those failures and not uh, just the yeses. And I think as leaders, they're you know so good at um, – pointing out who got the big sale and who did the had the big, big success. And we celebrate those things. And we're all very good at celebrating the yeses. But the person who maybe did get on the phone and make 20 calls um, on Monday morning and didn't get anywhere, but maybe planted some seeds, but didn't get any yeses, that behavior needs to be rewarded. And so go for no is very much a behavior oriented um, strategy so that leaders can really teach it and then encourage it and then celebrate it when it happens so that people stay on the path and don't give up because just rewarding somebody for the yes i mean that's great and they and and i imagine that they had some skill involved in that, but there also might have been a little bit of luck. Um, there's no luck in getting 20 no's. That's just right. grinding it out, right? <laughs> and so that needs to be at least acknowledged and not like, oh, too bad Tim got 20 no's, poor Tim, um, you had a horrible day. It's like, no, congratulations, Tim. That was amazing. If you keep doing this, those yeses are going to fall into your lap. Yeah, well, let me ask you this real quick. Is, could this potentially, you know, this this fear of rejection, uh, not wanting to hear the word no, could it ultimately uh, get worse before it gets better for a lot of the younger kids today? And the reason why I ask is because I'm curious about the whole entitlement thing, mm -hmm. um, you know, and how that ultimately impacts, you know, the perceptions of what the real world is. You know, my daughter is 10 years old. She'll be 11 next month. She swims uh, competitively. Uh, for a local swim team here at a public school system. And, you know, I, and I've shared this, this story on, on the show before, but there's eight lanes in the pool. And, and my daughter has an eighth place ribbon, uh, you know, which, which meant mm -hmm. that she came in dead last. And I just wonder, 
you know, what do you foresee for, for young people today? How, how potentially could they operate in the workforce? I mean, could it be worse for them than it is for, you know, even members of Generation X or Millennials? Yeah, I'm a little concerned. Honestly, I'm a little concerned. And I will tell yeah. you, um, I haven't had, obviously, any experience with, with um, you know, people your daughter's age. Uh, right. The, the the thing about kids, and I know you know this, having a, having a child, is they are very tenacious when they want something, right? They don't right. take they don't take no for an answer very easily, especially when they're young. As they get older, that gets drummed out of them because of the the fear of you know judging and everything that they go through that we all have gone through in right. our formative years at school. But I will tell you this: the the some of the experiences that I've had with millennials, and so people in their um, early 20s uh, was rather shocking. The couple conversations I've had and and, um, because typically, you know, when we go to a conference or what have you, I mean, I I would say most people are... um, are late twenties, but thirties, forties, fifties, right? So, so um, different generations. But they were they were so terrified of rejection that even um, sending an email was oh, wow. really, really, yeah, it was really um, frightening and was really a big step, which really shocked me. So right. I, I think, unfortunately, this mindset, um, and and so there's that entitlement piece, but there's also just this piece of I, you know, not having, um, having to go out and and hunt for something, and and you know, you, no, if you want something, you know, you've got to go down, track it down, and you've got to go out there and make it happen, and that's going to require you to ask. Um, and so hopefully someone in their life is training them, but I think a lot of them have fear around that. Yeah, absolutely. That surprises me too about, uh, the email piece because I, I'm a Gen Xer myself and, you know, I, I can admit to, uh, you know, not wanting to pick up the phone before and be like, Oh, well I'll send an email, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I think for, for my generation, an email could potentially be seen as, you know, a crutch, but yet, you know, a, an attempt to reach out where I still feel like I'm being productive. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, um, agreed. And I, as am I. And so uh, I think um, email could be seen as that. It's better than nothing. And certainly. Oh, absolutely. Right. Um, but yeah, when I was hearing some of those things, I was pretty shocked myself. Well, in addition to leaders, we've got a lot of small business owners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs who listen to the show. Tell us a bit about your most recent book, Go for No for Network Marketing. What made you want to write that book and who ultimately should read it? So that really is for a specific niche group. It's for people in direct sales or network or a network marketing business. And we wrote that because go for no resonate resonated so much with people in that profession. Um, just because they, they have to go for no, um, a lot, you know, they go for no to sell their products. Um, they go for no to explain the business opportunity that they have to someone. And so it very much is a niche book. What's interesting as we talked kind of at the top of the show is that go for no is really a, a solution to a problem. And the problem is having the courage to ask fundamentally. Um, and as I say, as I like to say, you know, every yes that you've ever gotten, started with the courage to hear the word no. I mean, you you knew that there was a small chance um, that you were going to hear no. And so it's developing that courage and just exercising that every day and being willing to ask that really is, is the key. So this book um, 
is great for that particular niche. But ultimately, you know, um, I can see how there could be a go for no for insurance and a go for no for, you know, every business. And yet the problem, the fundamental problem is just so, so much the same. So in that book to really customize it, we actually partnered up with an expert in that industry because we're not. And um, we also got 17 success stories of people in that industry who have used go for no and, and heard no a lot and ended up being successful. So it, it's an inspiring book. I'm, we're very proud of it. No, absolutely. And you should be. And I think that's great that uh, you're, you're carving a niche out for yourself and in other industries. And before we conclude tonight's interview, we've just got a few minutes before the commercial break at, or, or actually the end of the interview. I do want to give you an opportunity, you know, to share where can people learn more about you on the web where they can learn where can they learn more about your organization where can, where can they get your books absolutely nathan well you've done a fantastic job with your branding and i uh i luckily go for no um is pretty easy so it's gofornow.com and everywhere i am online is go for no so whether it's instagram or facebook it's g o f o r n o.com and and go for no you'll you'll definitely find us on every platform well, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. I know you've delivered a lot of value to me. You've delivered a lot of value to our loyal followers and guests here tonight. Thank you so much. I hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely. Have a great thank, thank you. You bet. Take care. Everyone, you've been listening to Leading with Purpose, Empowering Talk Radio. I am your host, Nathan Mitchell. Tonight's broadcast was brought to you by Minerton Associates, a full-service accounting firm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, dedicated to their purpose of helping businesses relieve their financial stress. So if you're in need of tax preparation, bookkeeping, or payroll services, I encourage you to visit my friends over at Minerton Associates. You can learn more about them at relievefinancialstress.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great evening. God bless. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to Leading with Purpose, Empowering Talk Radio with host Nathan R. Mitchell. To learn how Nathan can help you get better business results and lead you to your full potential faster, visit Clutch Consulting on the web at www.clutchconsulting.net. You can also download episodes of